Hello, and welcome to Get to Work Early. On this episode, Sarah Galley. Questions. And never have I ever a game. Here's your host, Cameron Hurley. With the worst, the worst impression of Monty Dawn I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, it kind of went, it kind of slipped out of Monty and turned into. Uh, I don't even know what that was. I don't know what you were talking about. It was like he was in the room with me. I was like, oh my God, am I on Gardener's World? Oh, that was, uh, we're just going to keep that because um, that's how we do it here. Hi. Hi, Cameron. How are you? Hi, Tim. I am doing quite well. I am extremely excited to have Sarah on the podcast today. Yes. Without further ado, joining us from the left coast, Sarah Galley. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here on Gardener's World. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about your national collection of peonies a little bit later, <laughs> but uh, first... Hey, look, I've got two authors here and they both have books coming out. Look how that happened. Wow, coincidence. It's, it's, it's serendipity. Um, so we're going to talk about those uh, now. Cameron, this is releasing on the day of Future Artifacts coming out. It's a long time since uh, we've been waiting. I think I'm actually more excited than you are. You're kind of like laid back about this and I'm like, yeah, let's do this. My mom's the same way. She's like, oh my God, you have another podcast. This is so great. I'm like, just sort stories. I know. It, this is, I think I'm, I'm, uh, I, I am like become like this, this ground down, you know, professional writer. I'm like, oh, another book is out. Well, <laughs> Sarah, have you become jaded? Are the they all just, have you become jaded as well, Sarah? Are they all just kind of like one after the other. You're like, whatever. It's just another book. No, absolutely not. I'm a huge stress case. I'm a disaster. My book doesn't come out until mid-July and I'm already having like stress dreams about it. <laughs> I've been but, seeing uh, some uh, some early reviews. Can you give everybody just a quick uh, synopsis of, of what the book's about? We can send them to sarahgelly.com so they can go and order it, by the way. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Just Like Home comes out in July of this this endless year 2022 we're currently inhabiting it's a book about a young woman who returns to her childhood home to care for her dying mother and to confront the legacy of her serial killer father uh it's all about uh, wow my brain just turned off mid-sentence there great we're doing great <laughs> uh, it's it's all about reconciliation and monstrosity and finding the places that love waits for us even if those places are extraordinarily dangerous i'm so excited for it to be out um early reviews are being very kind and i'm hoping that every subsequent review will also be very kind and everyone will say nice things about it forever i think that's a reasonable thing to want right cameron i think that that's absolutely reasonable again as i told sarah i've already pre-ordered it so i mean y'all should do the same be be like early and and just go hit that pre-order button yeah you're a role model I, i'm a role model as much. Times, really yeah yeah well I, a member of the twitter community uh by the name of john rogers uh, a gentleman had a question uh he said i will be a process nerd and ask both about their story development and outlining process with a side order of what is your preferred pen if you have the time. Of course, John Rogers is the creator of Leverage 
and uh, a great TV show and has written a number of movies and other shows and uh, uh, The Core, which is one of my favorite disaster movies oh, of all time. Spectacular movie. Spectacular movie. Yes. Jackie Chan Adventures well also. Yes. So let's get into I, I think this is something that I and then also members of the of the Patreon community uh, and the um, various, you know, aspiring writers would like to know, like, what is the process when you were coming up for your latest book, Sarah, what was the process of development and outlining? I, I feel like no one's going to believe me when I tell them about the development process of this book. I was um, taking a nap on my partner's shoulder. One of those naps that happens when you're watching a TV show and you are a hundred thousand years old inside like me. Um, and, you know, we were like 10 minutes from the end of the TV show. So, of course, I crashed and the TV show ended and I woke up with a start and I looked in my partner's eyes and I said, under the bed is the scariest place in the house. And my partner said, what? And I fell instantly back asleep and had no recollection of this until my partner told me later. And as soon as my partner related this to me, I was like, oh, that's going to be my next book. Um, and then had to figure out what, are we a swearing podcast? Yes. Oh, fuck yeah. I had it's to it's encouraged. What, I had to figure out what the fuck that meant. <laughs> and the book that resulted with this one, in terms of more granular process, the way that I write all of my books is I have a series of spreadsheets because um, I'm a very cool, fun party dude. And I outline heavily in those spreadsheets. I break up the book into kind of the flow of the plot beats. I sketch out the word count per plot beat to get the pace that I want. And then I put in my major plot details and like the high points of that, uh, that pace of the plot and then fill in kind of quieter moments from there. And then I start writing and I get to throw that whole thing in the trash because the book wants nothing to do with my plans. Um, I was going to ask if that wonderful process you described meant you rewrote less. Well, certainly not. Uh, <laughs> not at all. I, well, maybe. I guess less is relative uh, <laughs> by definition. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I write all the way through, start to finish. Uh, I'm a linear drafter, and I write, I hew pretty closely to that outline unless I discover partway through that I have fucked something up, you know, inadmissibly and then I, I changed things around um and with this book especially I got to do five comprehensive rewrites um each one of which was again start to finish uh I ended up reversing the plot like three of those times removed a major character added in a new major character moved a character death from the end of the book to the beginning of the book and then back to the end of the book and then back to the beginning of the book. Um, this one was a complete thicket to get through. But having that that really detailed outline, uh, it's also where I keep all my character details. I have a spreadsheet for the timeline of the story and the timeline that precedes the story and all this good stuff. And that makes it so that when I do those rewrites, I can keep easier track of what I'm changing because I can go in and say, okay, here is the place where I need to be adding this character in you know, early details, here's the place where I need to reveal a new detail about the character. And so it gives me kind of a lattice to train the book up as it infests my mind and life. Interesting. Um, now, is that a similar process of what you've went through with regards to the Echo Wife or Magic for Liars or previous books? 
Yes. Um, all of my novels follow that same pattern where I do this heavy, heavy, heavy outline and then everything goes to shit. Um, previous novellas have been a lot simpler for some reason. I tend to draft those and they stay pretty similar uh, in execution to the way that they started. Um, but novels for me are they're, you know, they just go through phases. They get rebellious. They get, you know, like rude and standoffish. And then all of a sudden very interested in everything I'm doing in my life and all the details of my life that I'm paying attention to have to go into them. Um, they just they they wriggle around. Do you find that your books ha- each have like their own personalities like that? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's obnoxious because I think that I know how to write, and then I start writing a new book, and I'm like, ah, I don't know how to write. <laughs> so then, like starting over. over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's terrible. Cameron, what about you? I want to know about your process. No, you know. Um, uh, Every one is different. Every single one. Um, I, I think, you know, I've talked about Stars or Legion um, was, I was like, okay, I need to have, okay, they're going, they're going down, they're going up a level, they learn something about themselves, they're going up another level, learning something themselves. What exactly they were learning? I don't know. What was going to be on that next level? I had no idea. But I knew that I was unraveling some kind of mystery. By the time I got to the end, my agent actually stopped me. She's like, this book is due in two weeks. I need to know what the backstory is for this character that she's going to find out at the end. I was like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't think that's any of our business. I'm I'm building there. You know, she's going to find out when I do. We're we're on a journey together, Hannah. So, um, so yeah, her and I talked it over and then she felt comfortable enough to let me, you know, uh, continue on. Um, but yeah, like sometimes I have to, I have to know, like with Light Brigade, I had to know, I had to know everything because it was so important to keep the timeline. Oh, that's a time travel novel. So that one, again, I used spreadsheets and I was like, okay, here's, here's what it looks like linearly and all the beats of the story. And then I would, and then I jumbled them up basically, um, in my second tab of the spreadsheet. And then, so I would be tabbing back and forth between each part of the spreadsheet and making notes and things as I was going, um, this one, I think uh, I've gone through so many different outlines around, but you can, it, for those on, who, who are watching the video, you see behind me, I've got little note cards that have like, okay, here's what happens in this chapter, and here's what happens in this chapter, and they're all, you know, uh, by POV, and that way I can just go, okay, what am I missing? Um, that was a very visual way. I think Gwenda Bond actually was talking about this. She mostly uses that um, note card and board method to do her stuff. And I was like, well, I'll try it because I'm freaking desperate for <laughs> this book that's so late. Uh, and I was, I was able to see, okay, here's what's missing. And for some reason, Scrivener just doesn't work for me. Um, I, I don't know why, uh, but it's a very similar way, right? Oh, I can move cards around. I can shift things around. Um, so yeah, so to me, it really depends on the book. Um, I, a lot of times I'll come up again. It's it's that it's that one hit idea. Like, um, you know, what if what if the big bad evil in the fantasy book is you know people are fighting themselves, you know, from parallel worlds, and and then you just sort of then you think of okay, what the character that would that would be driving that, and what's the what's going on with the character? Um, you know, I think uh, losing gravity started with I said, what about you know killing Eve meets Die Hard in space, and then my agent's like. Oh, you could set that in the Stars or Legion universe. It's like, yeah, 
so that that was kind of a hodgepodge of many different things that went into that. Um, and yeah, yeah, I think so process wise, it's very, it very much dependent on the book. And yes, my books definitely each have like their own personality where I feel like, okay, I went, got to 40,000 words and I'm doing really good. Or, um, you know, I wrote 90,000 words and it's all crap. So I have to throw it all out and start again. And they're, they're all just so different. It's, uh, it is very interesting. It is like starting over, right? Every time. You know? Yeah. Every How time. does this compare to short story writing? I want to tie this into the, to your book that's coming out, Cameron. How is that process different when you're not talking about 90,000 or 100,000 words, but you're talking about 5,000 words or 20,000 words? Um, for me, uh, it tends to start with like, I need, what was, I need like three things. I need a character with a problem uh, and a desire, like a, and a, a, like an emotional wound is what I call it. I talk about the book Screenwriting is Rewriting, which is a really great book um, that just, it gets very into like characters and what drives characters. And if I know what their like emotional wound is that's driving the story, um, then I, then I know what the story's about, because then I know that they're going through the plot to have some revel some emotional revelation. And that's what I concentrate on is the character and the emotional revelation. And for a short story, that's all, that's all it needs to be that it's the character, the situation, their emotional, you know, revelation you might have one, two, three plot beats, um, which is like, you know, stuff that's in their way that they have to overcome. Um, and that, you know, again, having done one every month for like the last six years, is like I've gotten very much into the, um, to the rhythm with that is a lot of them are that way. Sometimes I'll do something that's a little different. Um, and sometimes I'll also do like a quite a simple quest plot. Um, but even a simple quest plot, I do have to have some kind of emotional realization for some, one of the characters uh, in that sort of story. So they have to go through the quest to you know reveal something about themselves it was actually something i was thinking about with horror actually some of the horror that works the best for me i read uh chuck Wendig's book of accidents and it's like i love that book that's like that was one of the ones i i stopped reading it and then wanted to restart reading it again and it's like the monster needs to tell the the, the monster needs to tell some the person something about themselves right i mean that's really that's really what the best monsters do is they illuminate some part of yourself that um, you've been, you know, uh, trying to push away or, uh, not wanting to deal with, and they force you to deal with that. Uh, and again, that's, that's, that's what makes to me a, a good story. So what about not for you, more. Sarah? I love uh, that book. Uh, I'm, I've read actually stat your short story was one that made me go, Oh, you don't have to follow rules with regards to format. <laughs> Because I was struggling at a point where, and I emailed you about this, like I was, I got a something that's going to be published this year. And it was entirely because I found your story. And I was like, wait a minute, I've been struggling with this idea. I don't have to put it in the form of like paragraphs and whatnot. I can completely rearrange the idea of what a story is. So how did you come up with that? And then expanding into the bigger idea of short stories in general, what is your process for short stories? Oh, gosh. Um... I don't, I don't so much have a process for short stories, which I feel like I should probably by now, but if I tried to tell you that I did, it would be me trying to make something up by like going back and observing the way that I've written. My process with short stories tends to be that um, I sit down 
and I stare at my computer for a long time and I think I don't know how to fucking write. Uh, I don't know how to write. Why am I trying to do this? I have no idea how to do it until I get so frustrated that I go, well, fuck it. I'll just start typing. And then like three years later, I have a draft of a short story in front of me. Um, it, it tends to be something that, that springs out of a, a well somewhere in my brain that I can only tap into with absolute pure disastrous energy. Um, but Stet, I took a little bit more of a, an intentional approach to because this absolutely insufferable person um, kept giving me reading lists because he, he was a friend of a friend who thought that genre fiction is like completely invalid as a, as a craft and would always be like, but why do you waste your time writing that sci-fi? And I would be like, well, you know, there's a lot, a lot going on in science fiction. He was like, you know what? You need to read. And then he would start giving me these reading lists of like shit that he read in his MFA or whatever. <laughs> and one day he was like, you know who you need to read? is Borges. And I was like, I've read Borges. And he was like, you've read Borges, but you write sci-fi. You always said it like that. And I was like, yeah, no, I've read Borges. And he didn't believe me. He thought I was lying. He like straight up refused to, to, to buy into the idea that I had encountered one of the greatest writers in history. And, and so I went home and I decided to write Stet based on the structure of a Borges story, the title of which always escapes me when I'm trying to remember it and will come back to me like two, three hours from now when I'm doing dishes. Um, but it's it's written as an encyclopedia entry. And I was like, I could do something interesting with form in sci-fi. And so I set out to write Stet kind of specifically um, in reference to Borges and sort of to pettily rebuke the notion that genre fiction can't do the same cool stuff with form that um, literary fiction can. And this guy, I never confronted him about it because I'm very averse uh, to causing problems for friends of friends because then it comes back to the friend who I actually care about and, you know, causes a whole ruckus. Um, but he did end up reading the story and he was like, wow, that's almost good. <laughs> well, I guess I did what I set out to do. <laughs> Sounds like a charming I, fellow. I always wonder when I talk about this, if he hears it and he knows I'm talking about him or if he's like, huh, I wonder who that could be about. Sounds like a real jerk. Yeah, I guess I don't know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Like I only have good opinions. <laughs> okay. We got another question. This one comes from the Discord community. Sasha asked, both God's War and the rest of the Nyx books and the Echo Wife have a visceral, for me at least, body horror to them. How do you find moments that will resonate and tune them carefully to evoke these feelings that walk the line between fascination and revulsion? That's a good question. Sasha's very smart. We have a heavily questions. curated community. We have an IQ limit. 
Oh, that's why I'm not in there. <laughs> that's why I only post about gardening. Uh, who would oh, like man. to tackle that uh, one first? Uh, yeah, I can. I can start. Um, yeah, I think you know, gods. The gods were books. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily classify them as body horror. I would say Stars Are Legion is body horror. Um, but I, uh, God's War is, I think, feels much more kind of grimdarky. And I think there's a similar thing though to do grimdark correctly, which is correctly to do grimdark in a way. <laughs> I know, right? Look at me being an old writer, well, the correct way. Um, I'm so excited to find out what discourse that that's going to kick off. Oh my God! Right, I can hear it all. Cameron now. Hurley <laughs> is the gatekeeper of grimdark fiction. <laughs> Cameron. Grimdark gatekeeper Hurley. Oh lordy. Okay. Grimdark gatekeeper uh, girl pass. <laughs> so the way I like here's how to always phrase it. The way I like to do grimdark uh, is to make sure that um, you know any kind of gore and violence is not just there for gore and violence sake. Uh, and I think that's uh, something that we you know fall into uh, quite easily. And uh, especially in American, you know, it's just American thing. Um, so what I try and do is I never, I try to make sure everything is there for a very good reason. Um, and that again, that we are talking about the emotions of characters, that it's to illuminate character, that it is to drive the plot and illuminate character at the same time. Um, or to, again, show more about the world. Um, you know, the way people react to violence is also uh, a part of world building, right? And character building. Uh, and so I try to make sure that I'm intentional uh, and that's with all of the stuff I do, right? If you're going to do something, you know, is going to make people uncomfortable, then try to be intentional about it. Like, okay, I know this is going to cause discomfort, but this is going to discomfort people, hopefully in a way that I am intending. Um, that doesn't always work that way. Uh, but it's nice to be cognizant of what you are trying to do as a writer um, so yeah, so I, I make myself very cognizant of it. I look at, okay, is this really furthering the world bill? Is this furthering the story, um, for a book like Stars or Legion, again, losing gravities in the same world. That's incredibly important, the gore and weirdness, because I mean, it's all a bodily, it's all made of bodies and flesh and goo. And I mean, that's just the world, uh, and that's evocative of the world, that's evocative of the issues, uh, within the world. So, um, I find that that's, that's pretty key, but again, I'm not going to put something in there that is not um, contributing to, again, the greater story of the greater character. Okay, Sarah. That's, that's, that's such a smart answer. And I feel like I'm just gonna, I feel like I'm just about to barge in here like um, that toddler on that one newscaster's uh, live feed. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like to be gross. Um, no, every, everything, pretty much everything that I write unless I'm very intentionally setting out to write something kind and gentle is grounded in horror. And um, this is an opinion that uh, I ended up picking up from Lillian Boyd of Rankin Vilecast that all horror on some level is body horror because the scary thing that's happening is going to interfere with the integrity of the thing that you live inside of in some way, whether it's your connection to the thing you live inside of or the integrity of the of the thing that you live inside of and its ability to keep on having you live inside of it. Um, and so I, I have a huge passion for body horror. I, I studied uh, like pre pre-med for a little while and found that I am very unsqueamish, which gives me great access to that 
deep well of communicating about things that the body can do and be and have done to it. Um, and I, I, I love using it as a way to ground the narrative in the reader's visceral experience. I don't like to let my readers drift too far off into the intellectual and the hypothetical. I love to use body horror to remind my readers like, hey, you're in a body while you're reading this and experiencing it. And that's not always a pleasant thing. Um, let's connect the emotions that you're feeling right now to the idea of, of this thing that you live inside of and what can happen to it. Um, in terms of how to how to make that impactful and effective, I strive to write things that make me a little uncomfortable to write. Um, most notably, The Echo Wife is where I found my limit. The, mm. the scene that most readers most connect with as body horror is a scene in which people are modifying a clone to try to make it weathered the way that the original body is. And I had so much fun writing that. I was like, I was just having a blast. I was cruising right through it. I was like, ooh, what if you take a sanding block to someone's knee? Ooh, what if you have to put a scar on someone's eyeball? Like, you know, how do we get really in close to the sensory experience of bodily harm? And I thought I had such a smart, good idea. I was like, oh, you know, what if the original is missing a tooth, like an adult tooth is not in the place that it originally was. So they have to pull a tooth out of a clone's mouth. And I did a bunch of research uh, in how you remove a healthy tooth from a mouth because teeth don't want to be removed from your mouth. They like to stay in there and they fall out, you know, under pretty intense and extended duress or really sudden impact. But if you're trying to make it look like the tooth had had fallen out, you know, the way that teeth fall out after quite a lot of stress on the ligaments that hold them in, you got to pull it. You can't just like smash someone and see what happens. And so I did a lot of research on how to remove a healthy tooth from a healthy mouth. And I, I found what I could not write. I was trying to write it. I was sitting at a coffee shop. Uh, the, the, uh, like he wasn't actually a waiter, but you know, like the, the coffee shop guy, who owned the place and just did everything and kind of came by my table and was like, are you okay? Do you need some water? And I looked up at him and I was like, Oh, I can't handle this. I found that that was my limit. So I always, I just write up to that limit. Um, and I think that my, my own discomfort comes through on the page at some point. Just try wow. and feed it into my reader's brain. <laughs> Have you ever done that, Cameron? Have you ever gotten to the point where you're like, I got to back off because it was weirding you out? Um, yeah, I was I was actually writing a scene. Actually, it was in Losing Gravity where uh, a body was being processed uh, by the by the character uh, and, and very neatly. And, and she enjoys it. And that was the that was the part that was really difficult for me. I am not a sadist. It does. It no, no, no. Um, it was really difficult um, to write to write that scene from the from the perspective of someone who enjoyed, you know, causing harm and hurting someone bodily at this at this at this this this, this kind of precision, right? With this kind of precision, like I understand anger and all of that, but there was a a very much a delighted uh, precision to it, and that was really hard to write. Um, I actually almost threw it out a couple times. I thought about redoing the character and I'm just like, no, the fact that it makes me uncomfortable, right? That, that it is. It's like the fact that it makes me uncomfortable means that I should probably write it. 
Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was very difficult for sure. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good lead in to the game we're going to play. I, I might have mentioned this here. Every every episode we play a game. Uh, we've previously done Ikea Furniture or Scandinavian Science Fiction Writer. Uh, we've done uh, I did very well on. You did, did very, very well, well on that. that. Yes, you did. Mm -hmm. um, this we're going to do Never Have I Ever. Literary edition, writer edition. So I'm going to give you 10 opportunities. You're going to put your fingers up like this. And right. every time you, I say one and you're going to go, and whoever gets to 10 first wins nothing because we have no budget for this show. However, uh, you will get a congratulations on your winning. So let's start. I haven't played this game in a long time. You put a finger down if you have done the thing. Yeah, so here's an example. Okay. Here, we'll go with an example. Never have I ever started a novel that I did not finish. Okay. Did you ever write a novel and then stop and not finish it? Yes. We're not counting current whip, right? Well, not current whip, right. But something in the past, like you put it in the drawer and it's gone and you're never going back to it. And okay. So that's uh one for Cameron. I'm gonna I'm gonna verbalize this because this is also an audio yeah, podcast. Right. So <laughs> if you want to share the story behind your thing, like Cameron, what what was the thing that you wrote that you didn't finish? Everything. <laughs> Time. It's not possible. You have like from the time books. I was twelve until the time I was twenty-four. Uh, so there were about nine manuscripts, I think, in that. That yeah, just never, never okay. came. Yeah. All right. My arms are gonna get tired, so okay. I don't know if I'm using my arms, Tim. Never have I ever written a story completely by hand. I mean, yes, I've done that. So should I put yes, one down? Put one down. Yes. So you have two now. Also, Sarah, in these games, I'm always like, Jim, I don't understand this game. What am I supposed to be doing? All right. You, you do have a fundamental comprehension problem with the games in terms of whether you did or did not answer them correctly. Not not whether you understand the question, just did I answer it correctly? That's all right. We'll work okay. on it. Um, never have I ever fallen asleep while you were writing. No. Okay. Never have I, I ever. Oh, oh, Sarah, I got one. I got one finger oh, down. You do. uh, I was working. Whew, I, so I had a very, this was when I was living in Portland. Um, I had a terrible fever for like three days. It was like a fever with a migraine. It was awful. And I wrote half of a pitch for a series uh, of like, epic fantasy novels and I felt I had a little notebook a little notepad by my bedside and I like like woke up covered in sweat wrote part of this thing and then passed out and when I woke up again I was like oh what is this incomprehensible scribbling who did this it was me I did it <laughs> however it comes to you however you know it comes to you. um never have I ever cashed a book advance check at the bank for $1 bill, spread them all over my bed and rolled around in the money. No, neither of you. Okay. Uh, never have I ever gotten a tattoo with relevance to a book or story I have written. Oh, there. you got one. 
Magic nice. for Liars cover Liars. art. I I got into the writing game and I was like, I'm never going to be one of those guys who gets a tattoo about one of my books. And then I got the Will style cover for Magic mm-hmm. for Liars. And I was like, God damn it, Will. He's too good. I might have known some things before going into this game. So the next one is, never have I ever written multiple books in which characters vomit. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, me and Sarah, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, we're all, we're the Ralph Brigade over here. What is with it with you guys? You guys need the number of vomiting. I mean, if there is a ranking of books you two it's have to be at the top function, you know like, sometimes stuff's got to come out you know it's got to go gonna in, like just like home at all nobody nobody asks you know why do you do you write not the novels where people eat well of course because you eat people eat people vomit it's a fact of life tim <laughs> if it helps at all the thing that gets vomited in just like home isn't vomit oh okay does that make it better a creature, awesome. perhaps, or or some sort of a. Oh, I, I ain't saying shit. Okay. I was gonna say spoilers, Tim. Spoilers. Spoiler. Never have I ever drank an entire pot of coffee while writing. Oh yeah, I've definitely done that. And I how did you do later on? Up. How'd that do for your stomach later? Uh, well, mostly I had to run to the bathroom a lot. Frankly, yeah. It's a wasn't so much. My- now it's my stomach. Now I'm old, so it's my stomach. But back in my 20s, yeah, it was, it was I had to run the bathroom. So. Never have I ever accidentally changed tenses midway through a, a novel and then had to correct it. Oh, I've done that tons of times, yeah. Okay. Oh, I, just, I just make it a stylistic choice. <laughs> <laughs> totally meant to do that. Uh, I, love to ex- I love to experiment with form. <laughs> <laughs> Never have I ever used, quote, I'm writing as an excuse to get out of something. How many fingers oh. can I put? <laughs> <laughs> My husband uses that excuse for me, where if anybody, because I'm just like, oh, I don't want to go out. I'm too tired. He would go, oh, Cameron's writing. <laughs> she couldn't go out. She's so busy right now. Yeah. She's communing with the muse. <laughs> mustn't be disturbed. <clears throat> Never have I ever done zero research before starting a new book. Oh. I I frequently I frequently will dive into a book thinking I pretty much know what I need to know. Guess how many times you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, you don't know you don't know. Yeah. Um can I can I can I have a digression moment? Digress. About this. So in River of Teeth, uh, a, prom- a prominent part of it takes place on a riverboat casino. And there's a scene that, you know, is referential to a lot of pulp western scenes where people are playing poker. And then a guy's like, you cheated. And everybody draws their guns, right? We all know this like classic western kind of stereotype. And I wrote the whole scene and I turned in the book and my editor, Justin Landon, was like, hey, I have a question what game are they playing at this card table? And I was like, poker. And Justin was like, no. And I was like, yeah. And Justin was like, what do you think poker is? And I was like, you know, a guy gives you some cards and you all look at the cards and you decide 
I like the cards. <laughs> and if you don't, maybe you can get different ones. And and then if anybody else, sure. Um, and Justin was like, so I play poker quite a lot. And I need you to understand what you've written has nothing to do with poker. Uh, and you need to either make it poker or don't say details about what, what game is happening. Um, and I think I ended up doing the second one. But that is one of my favorite ways to illustrate like like general received wisdom and how it trips us up in writing. Because so often I'll go write something and I'm like, I pretty much know how this works. And then I'll write it out. And then someone who really knows how it works is like, what the fuck is <laughs> Question, had you ever set foot on a riverboat before? Certainly not, no. <laughs> No, no, not at all. Any kind of boat? Have you ever been on a seafaring vessel of any sort? I've spent time on uh, on houseboats, on lakes, Uh, and the riverboat casino that I created is like if you clicked and dragged both corners of a houseboat um, (laughs) to make it big, and then you put a big wheel on the side. And I think I pretty much, pretty much nailed it. Riverboat experts, please weigh in. (laughs) Well. If anybody's <laughs> holding a, a hold'em tournament, a poke, a no limit hold'em tur- tournament at Worldcon in Chicago this fall, make sure to invite Sarah because mm-hmm. uh, you'll be able to clean her out. Yeah, yeah, you will. You will clean up. You'll do just fine. Uh, <laughs> never have I ever written between the hours of one a.m. and six a.m. Oh yeah. Okay, I, I assume that was a, that was an easy one to yeah. lower the numbers here. Um, Never have I ever spilled a drink on my laptop while I was writing. Oh, why'd you got to bring it up? Oh, oh, was that the coffee shop? It was no, I was on a a little writing retreat with friends. I was delivering tea to the table and I managed to trip a little bit and spill a teeny tiny bit of green tea on my laptop and it pretended to be okay for like half a day. Um, like a sick horse it was like no I'm fine I'm fine I can still go and then it was don't like shoot me mm, I don't do the W anymore and I was like okay I can probably get by without the W and I was like I don't do the Q either and I was like great I don't write stuff with the letter Q in it that often and then it was like I don't do the letter E and I was like <laughs> and everything fell apart from there I understand this is my letter D on my keyboard Uh-oh. That's it's not no where lo- that's supposed to be. It's no longer where it's supposed to be. It just kind of just kind of sits. I don't use D's anymore. It's <laughs> out of my vocabulary. A, B, C, yeah. E, F, G. Uh, never have I ever. This is an easy one. Forgotten to save my work or draft. Well, have you ever forgotten yeah. to save and lost yeah. some writing? I have, I have lost work. Yeah. Was it of something that. Oh, I've lost like 30 pages before. Yeah. Oh. oh, that's brutal. I work in Google Docs. Baby, they save for me. Yeah. Spy on everything I do, but I never have to remember to hit control S. So what a what a trade-off. Tech question yeah, about I just work in Dropbox now. Yeah. Because it is it happened too many times. Yeah. Do you find that Google gets slow when you have a lot of pages? Yes, but I draft each chapter in a different document to so I don't really have to deal with that and then compile it all into one document when it's done um, and then work from there. And that it gets a little slow there, but I don't have to deal with it while I'm drafting, which is nice. Interesting. You mentioned Scrivener earlier, Cameron. Have you ever messed around with that 
Sarah? Well, absolutely not. I'm so intellectually intimidated by Scrivener. It's so much smarter than me. Like I, I open it up and it looks at me and it's like, you can't hang out here. Like you don't have, you're not advanced enough of a creature. Oh, that's, I tried it. Um, I, it was cool, but I, I ended up abandoning it. Like you did Cameron, um, when you said you didn't like it. Uh, I yeah. wanted it to be more like in Minority Report where Tom, where Tom Cruise has got like the things that he can move around yeah. on the screen. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's what I wanted the cards to be. Like where I could just grab them and move them around and be like this. And then you can't do it that way exactly. So I was like, I'm I'm going back to Word. And, and technology we were promised. Yes. All right. How many? You got three left. Cameron, how many do you have left? One. Oh, my gosh. Let's see. Never have I ever put an Easter egg in a book that no one has ever discovered. Oh, yeah. Nonstop all the time. We want them to get it so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, share. Can you can either of you share your hidden Easter egg that nobody has ever discovered? Are these old Easter eggs from many, many years ago or something recent? No, the Light Brigade has a ton of them. So many. So many. Yeah, I think at the the end she goes to room 101 um, is her interrogation room. And like you can see the, and that's from Orwell, right? Um, 1984. Um, and there's all sorts of other ones. Yeah, just there's just a ton of stuff in there. Um, yeah, most people note the Le Guin one about and the, yeah, it's the Nazi stuff. But yeah, a lot, there's a lot of stuff that people haven't noticed. Sarah, any, any Easter eggs you would like to share? Maybe one that people would be surprised to know. You know what? I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to share it because it'll take away my joy when someone finally is like, "Fair." Hey, did you do this on purpose? But I will say that my favorite um, category when people do find them is I have a personal rule that I, if I don't explicitly say something about representation on the page, then I don't kind of take credit for it. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to be like the turf who must not be named and be like, well, you never knew it, but this character was this kind of person. So, you know, you just, I just didn't tell you that. Like, I'm not doing that, but I do often kind of like headcanon characters of mine um, as trans. And if there's not a way for me to include information on about that on the page that doesn't verge into a kind of like weird reveal or outing territory, I just don't say anything about it. And it makes me so happy when readers are like, like they'll, I'll get emails where they're like, hey, I kind of got the vibe that this character was a trans woman. Is that true? And then I'll be like, don't tell anybody that I told you this, but I agree with you. Um, and that always just makes my makes my little heart happy. Mm-hmm. Cool. Anyway, I have two I have two fingers left. Does that mean that I lose? You lose, but I'm going to lose. Right. I think I think can't. But I'm going to ask you. Have you ever, ki- never have I ever killed a character who was based off of someone I know in real life? I have one finger left in. <laughs> <laughs> now, anyone who's read River of Teeth is going to know exactly who it is. <laughs> it's not, I'm not coy. Okay. We'll leave it at that. Thank, thank you both for playing. Uh, this we, this month's game of Never Have I Ever uh, Literary Edition. Uh, Cameron, you can pick up your prize uh, at the gift shop when you exit. And uh, this it's is an honor good... to lose to you, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> it's very prestigious. 
They're yeah, all talking super, about it. That's right. Yeah. It's, the it's next, the next Twitter hashtag. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, this is usually the point where we talk about things that we're reading, things we're watching, movies, TV shows, documentaries, even music. Maybe if you've enjoyed something recently. Uh, Sarah, I'll start with you as our guest. Is there anything you've been enjoying in pop culture recently? Uh, movie, television, music-wise that you'd like to share? Yes. Um, I just started watching the show The Great, which is an absurdist historical comedy drama about Catherine the Great. And it is so much fun. Um, I fucking love a period drama with really ornate costumes and sets. It's like one of my, one of my favorite things. And uh, one of the people who I live with does not like historical dramas if they are celebrating the ruling elite. Um, she just can't stomach it. And The Great hits this beautiful sweet spot of completely roasting the ruling elite nonstop while also having all of my beloved fancy costumes. Um, and it's also just got a fantastic sense of humor, very similar sensibilities to the show Veep, if you've encountered that, um, which I also love very much. And then I've also been indulging in a Hannibal rewatch, which is just a nice little treat for me. Um, love that show and everything about it. And I get to write off that time as research for a project that I'm about to dive into. Nice. Yes, the the, the great has some of the best swearing uh, yes. on, on television. And those, so does Veep, to be honest. Those are two great yeah. swearing shows. Absolutely, yes. 100%. Cameron, what about you? Uh, I just finished reading The Housemaid by Frida McFadden, just a, another domestic thriller. I've been on a mystery thriller, domestic thriller kick, um, which was really good. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of what else I want. Oh, and I, I know we talked about Laura Thann White, which I'm reading a ton of her stuff. Um, I finished another one of hers, I think The Dark. My mom actually just finished that one as well. She's like, that was so good. It was basically a retelling of And Then There Are None by Agatha Christie, which you know what? You can never have enough of those. So uh, I'll take no, it. Never. I'll take it. I did want to ask, Sarah, have you read um, Leech? Did they send Leech to you? Not yet. I haven't read it yet. It is like next oh. on in my stack. You, I... I highly, highly recommend parasitic gothic body horror. I mean, that was an amazing That's everything book. I like. It's been a year since I've read that. And I just keep thinking about the fact that I have to wait until October for it to come out. It is so, so good. So anyway. Awesome. My I, will, I will hop on it. <laughs> Any TV shows, Cameron, that you've currently, or you've been uh, watching recently? I've been watching, um, I think... Um, what did I watch? I finished up The Bay, which is another murder show. Um, and then there was another murder show <laughs> that I was watching. Murder show, murder show. Murder shows all the way down, folks. Oh, yeah, I've been rewatching some some Poirot mysteries that I had missed. They've been uploading a couple extra ones. Um, so I have been catching up on those. They're, they're doing more? They're not doing more, but they hadn't um, uploaded them. They're like back back issues, they're back episodes oh, that they okay. haven't uploaded to Amazon yet. Um, and they have uploaded a couple of them and now they're available. So I went back and saw what other ones had popped up. I loved those. I loved those so much. I also, I really loved, there was this um, run of Agatha Christie adaptations that I think BBC did mm-hmm. recently that were all spectacular. They were so stinking good. I was so excited about that. Yeah, those are always so much fun. Yeah. 
those are all available via BritBox. If uh, for those in the US who maybe don't know, you can get BBC shows via the app BritBox. That's how uh, Gardner's World is consumed here in the United <laughs> States is via BritBox. <laughs> Monty Don and his uh, and his crew. Uh, so we have reached the hour mark here. I think this is probably a good time for us to to wrap up and do some plugs. Of course, for Cameron, you can go to patreon.com, CameronHurley.com. No, back that up. Patreon.com forward slash Cameron Hurley. It's where you get the monthly short stories like April's short story, Unlikable Heroine. Heroine. It sounds like heroin. That's not how you pronounce that. Why can't I pronounce that? Heroin? That's not right. Why is that? It's the same. Yeah, it's a, what do they call it? It's like blue, blue. Yeah. Is it the same? It's a homophone. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, my brain didn't work. Learn, you know, that. you learn something every new, new every day, Tim. So there you, you go. do. You do. Uh, it's scary. And uh, also Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. That's where you, you get all the uh, all the Cameron uh, socials. And then Substack is where Hurley's Heroes is sent out every month. Uh, and then Sarah, you can go to SarahGaley.com. It's where you can pre-order Just Like Home coming out in July the 19th. You can also pick up The Echo Wife, Magic for Liars, When We Were Magic, and all previous, I'm not going to go through them all, there's too many, uh, all previous books at the various uh, locations like bookshop.org and IndieBound. Uh, avoid the, uh, the, the large places, uh, you know. And uh, yeah, uh, do you have, oh, oh, so Stone Soup. Can't forget that. Uh, that's the newsletter. And um, where is the? What is the website for that? I forgot. I did not mark that. Where is it? Uh, where is the? What's the website? Do you remember the URL for that, Sarah? I do. I do. It's stone-soup.ghost.io. There you go. All right, Cameron. You want to wrap us up here? All right, everybody. Thank you again for to Sarah for joining us today and all of you get back to work. <laughs>